Thanks for downloading the free and ad-supported version of Cubs Pod, which is actually three daily Cubs podcasts smashed into one episode. But Cubs Pod is actually a daily Cubs podcast, which is released every single day during the Cubs season on our Patreon page, completely ad-free at patreon.com slash sunranto. In fact, you'll get all Sunranto shows early and ad-free on our private premium RSS feed. Plus, you'll get access to our private Discord group where we host game watches and Cubs fan chats with the Super Ranters. Join us for as little as $1 at patreon.com slash sunranto. Please support independent Cubs media like us, and subscribe at patreon.com slash sunranto. We can't do it without you. Thank you. And enjoy this version that is ad-supported of Cubs Pod. It is the 30th day of may 2023 and this is cubs pod your daily digestible dose of cubs content part of the bleacher bunch productions on the fans first network for the first time in a while i get to talk about good things yes yesterday on Memorial Day, Marcus Stroman just went out and dominated the best team in baseball. Yes, the Tampa Bay Rays came into Wrigley Field yesterday facing off against the worst team in the National League and uh, the second worst team in all of baseball, the Chicago Cubs. But Marcus Stroman is not the worst pitcher in all of baseball. In fact, he is a very good pitcher. If not an ace, he is ace adjacent. And the last time out against the Mets, he looked very good. Uh, Went deep into that game. I think he went eight innings. And I don't think anybody was really expecting him to follow that up with something even better. But he did it. Yes, Stroman went out there and held the best offense in the league by far to a one-hit day. Yes, uh, Stroman had a no-hitter going through six innings, and then he had a uh, Wander Franco just hit like a bloop single, just, you know, kind of caught it weird. The ball just flipped up. Made it just over shortstop into left field and had like massive spin on it because he didn't hit it well. So it wasn't even like a good hit. It was just a lucky hit. And that was the one hit that Stroman gave up. Now, got to give a little props to Ross here because that was in the seventh inning. At that point, the no hitter was gone. Then Stroman walked. Uh, Brandon Lau, I heard his name was Lau, not Low. And, uh, you know, at that point, I could see, you know, maybe getting nervous and pulling him. Uh, they get the DP to get out of the, the seventh inning. But, you know, you don't have to send him back out there after the 
no hitter is gone. But Ross didn't do that. Uh, you know, that's... And I was very happy about that because at the time, I mean, I think Stroman was in the like in the seventies in his pitches pitch count. Um, he ended this game with only a hundred and five pitches for the entire game, which is definitely manageable. And I'm really happy that David Ross didn't, you know, fall prey to the old, you know, gotta pull him sort of stuff. He let Stroman keep going out there and keep trying to win. And this was not a game in which the Cubs had a, a massive lead at all. The Cubs won this game one to nothing. So Stroman did all of this in these late innings with no margin for error. It just really makes what he did that much more special. And uh, I think, you know, somebody in the, in the ranters commented, uh, that's how you win games. You don't let the bullpen pitch, which I thought was pretty funny. I was listening to this game on the radio. I was doing yard work uh, all day listening, and uh, it was very enjoyable listen, of course. And then, uh, but once I, I realized, like, okay, here we go. He's going to come out here for the ninth. I went in and I watched the ninth inning so that I could just, so that I could actually see it happen. And, you know, and of course the ninth inning started with the one major sort of like nervous point and that was the first out it was a grounder to matt mervis uh marcus stroman was heading to first to cover and mervis threw the ball out in front of him which made marcus stroman have to leap for the ball and snag it and then get his footing right and step on the base in front of the runner it it was a little nerve-wracking right there i will have to say uh at that point, I was listening to the Rays broadcast because, you know, I'm not going to listen to the Cubs broadcast. I will talk about that in a moment, but I'm listening to the Rays broadcast and the guys, you know, they kind of blamed Mervis for that. But when I've watched this play back a couple times, Stroman actually kind of slows down as if, I don't know, he turns to look at Mervis to catch the ball and he slows down. And I think Mervis was still accounting for the speed he had right before that and that was the little miscommunication but look marcus stroman a great athlete was able to make the adjustment pull it in and get that first out uh then he gets the strikeout and then uh wander franco just hits a little grounder straight to mervis who was able to take it on his own step on the base and then give that ball to marcus stroman because uh, that was, I believe, Marcus Stroman, only his fourth complete game in his career. Funnily, it's the second one he's had at Wrigley. The first one he was pitching for the Blue Jays. And then uh, now this one, pitching for the Cubs. Now, it was it was really an impressive performance. Uh, I was really happy. I was able to kind of take a little break and watch the end of that game. Uh, the look on his face, holding his hands up the crowd just kind of going wild uh at one point you know he had that no hitter going and he gave up the bloop single to wander franco and you know the crowd kind of they stood and gave him an appreciative like ovation at that moment which was nice 
you know, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention too is the umpire in this game understanding what was going on uh, kind of backed off the whole pitch clock thing. Now, I'm watching the pitch clock on the TV, so it's not the official pitch clock. But according to what I was seeing uh, in the ninth inning, Stroman, he he broke the pitch clock, uh, you know, probably three or four different times. And he wasn't doing it by a lot. He, you know, like one or two seconds. But we have seen in this season where umpires will jump on that in a heartbeat and just say, he's, you know, that's a ball, that's a ball, you know, and just nail the pitcher or nail the hitter at times too, if they don't get in there by eight. But in this instance, in this moment, the home plate umpire, I think understood what was going on and just gave Stroman that extra like second or two. So, you know, got to give props to him there too. Look, I give you the news here straight, and if David Ross is doing a bad job, I'm going to let you know he's doing a bad job today. He made the right decision. He stayed with Stroh, let him finish that game, which was amazing. And then also the umpires who I usually complain about, that umpire did the right thing. He understood the situation, and he just, you know, hey, one or two extra seconds. Now, he probably wouldn't let Strowman just stand out there and walk around and do all that type of stuff. But it was like one or two seconds. He was ready to go, you know, and who knows, maybe the pitch clock that I was seeing on the Rays broadcast was incorrect. That is possible as well. But if the umpire was giving him the extra second or two that he needed to finish this game off, kudos to that guy. And if you're wondering uh, how the Rays were pitching on their side, uh, 22-year-old rookie Taj Bradley had the mound for them, and he did not pitch badly in this game at all. I told you, it was a one nothing game. So Taj Bradley came out and actually pitched very well. The only time the Cubs were able to get to him at all was in the fourth. It was Seiya Suzuki uh, hit a single. And it was, you know, a tough play by third baseman Taylor Walls had to make a, you know, going towards the left field line, had to make a strong throw over to first to try and get Saya. Just let that ball sail, like just launched it, you know, uh, something like we saw Morrell do last year, a couple of times. Here's the difference. The best team in baseball lets the guy play third base. They don't just stick him out in the outfield and move him around and do all sorts of dumb stuff. Uh, they let him play. Uh, but the guy uncorked a, just a terrible throw for the air. Uh, and then say got to move to, you know, the ball went into the camera. Well, say moved to second on the air. And then uh, Dansby Swanson flew out uh, deep to center, right center. And say was able to move to third on that fly ball. And then Mike Talkman hit a fly ball to Josh Lau and say was able to score. So that was the one run. It was say Suzuki with the single and then moving around the bases station to station sort of, and just getting in there and, and the Cubs then, you know, Marcus Stroman had to make that hold up. 
if you're the Rays, I think you're very happy about the outing that you got from your rookie, uh, Taj Bradley. And then uh, we saw, you know, Kelly. I don't know. Kelly is came in for one out. And then um, we saw Joe LaSorsa come out for his big league debut. Uh, and I only bring him up because his name is LaSorsa. And I swear, it, I when I saw it, I was like, LaSorta? I was like, is that like one of Tommy Lasorda's grandchildren or something? No, no, it was, it was Lasorsa. Uh, but he pitched two innings and actually did really well because he didn't give up any runs. No hits. He gave up one walk and struck out two. So that was a pretty good debut for that kid. And that was it. And the Cubs win a white knuckler against the best team in baseball. Okay, now that all the fun stuff is done, I do... Look, I need to say something about John Shelby and how terrible of an announcer he is and just illustrate a little bit about why I dislike the guy so much. And this is Cubs pod, so I'm going to have to keep it as clean as possible because we this is a different show than the regular show in which I could just go off. So you'll have to you'll have to imagine what's actually going on in my head here. But John Shambi is, he's that like guy that's trying so hard to be cool that like he just, he's desperate to be cool. And the way that he goes about being cool is a way that nobody wants him to be cool. And he's just annoying. Like he isn't, he isn't fun to be around and he's just trying all the time. And what I'm saying right now about this is his jinx issue. Whenever he gets the opportunity to call a no-hitter or perfect game or whatever he's doing, Shambi goes out of his way to say that it's a no-hitter, say that it's a perfect game, say all these things constantly, constantly, constantly. Remind you, this is what it is. Now, he's not doing it because that's the right thing to do. He's doing it because he's thumbing his nose at baseball tradition. Now, I'm not saying baseball superstition because I don't believe, and I don't think anybody believes anymore, that there is any way that, you know, not saying it, not talking about the no-hitter or the perfect game helps in any way to keep the perfect game going. Maybe they actually did think that back in the day, but you know, and, and you know what, there might be some people still in MLB that do think that, but I think fans for the most part understand the things that we do in our own homes and all the different stuff. We're not affecting that game. We know this. Everybody knows in their minds, they know this. That doesn't mean that we're not going to put on our favorite shirt or we're not going to, you know, the, the Cubs are winning when I wear my favorite hat for a couple of days. And so I'm just going to keep wearing that hat until they lose. And then I'm going to swap out the hat. It's, it's a thing. It's, it's not like we actually believe that's making a difference, but it's fun to be part of the game. It's fun to be part of what's happening. And that's sort of where we're at with it. That's what people do. They want to be part of the game. And we don't get to do that because we are sitting on the couch hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. And when we are watching a no-hitter or a perfect game, then we 
sort of play this little game. You play the game where you try and talk about it without talking about it, right? Not because we really think that we're going to jinx it, but because it's tradition. That's what they've done in baseball for over a hundred years. They don't talk about it. And so we use all the different things, you know, you might say, oh, uh, Strowman's been pitching a mighty fine game today. Uh, yeah. Oh, and wow, look at this. He's got, you know, this many strikeouts. Give all the stats, but not the hits, you know, just say, yeah, it looks like he's, you know, given up a walk and had four strikeouts and give it up and just don't say anything about the hits or, uh, you know, another zero on the board for Strowman, something like that. It's it's uh, it takes imagination to talk about a no hitter without talking about a no hitter, and that is something that John Shambi absolutely does not have is imagination, and he doesn't care about tradition. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he looks at it like he misses the point completely. He's like, "Oh, I can't jinx this game," and the way that he goes about it is just as as ridiculous as everyone else if they were truly believing like oh i can't talk about this no hitter or it's not going to happen on the flip side of that is shambi having to say it eight million times because he's got to prove i am not going to jinx this this is not on me whatever well you know then when it does go away it's like what what do you say like no i don't think shambi jinx the no hitter but but it was no fun you know, it was just not fun. It was not keeping in the tradition of the game. And that's something that Shambi has never understood. He is into math and he's into trying to be as cool as he possibly can be. And the way that he does that is like, look how cool I am. I can say no hitter 85 times in this game and it won't do anything because that's not how to... We know it's not jinxing the game, Shambi. Shut up. Have fun with the game. Play, do the thing that we're all doing. Be a part of the tradition. Be the little bit of the game that we can be, you know, and just have fun with it. But no, he doesn't. Instead, he is just beating us over the head with how many times he can mention it and say it and just be not fun. You know, he's that guy. He's that guy that like every time he comes around, you just don't want him around because he's going to do something goofy just to be cool. But it's just the most annoying person ever. Oh, I'm so tired of him. You know, and, and the other thing is too, it's sort of like that little joke that you have on the people who tuned in late, you know, you're not mentioning the no hitter. And then all of a sudden a hit comes up and you're like, yeah, that was the first hit. And somebody's like, oh my God, I didn't realize, you know, but the clues were there the whole time. You're given the clues in the broadcast, but you're not saying no hitter. That's all. It's part of the fun of the game. It's all I want. I don't know why everybody in baseball seems to be, anti-fun, anti-imagination, anti-arts, like just come on people, be better with how we're presenting this game. Okay, that is my minor rant. Uh, it's probably not the most eloquent 
I could have gone on about it and definitely not the uh, way that I was really thinking about it, but I think I got through it. It's, it's tough when we have uh, ways that we have to do this that aren't completely natural to how we're thinking. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the game tonight. Yes, it is another night game. It starts at 7.05 for some reason. And we will see Kyle Hendricks in his, uh, he has pitched one game. He has a 6.23 ERA from that game. He had five strikeouts in uh, 4.2 innings. It wasn't the best game in the whole world, but there was a lot of positives to see in that first game that he pitched. Uh, And honestly, a lot of the stuff that went against him was, you know, pretty weak contact things just dropping in and, you know, he got babbipped kind of to death in that game. So we are expecting to see him come back and uh, maybe pitch a little bit better. Of course, he's doing it against the toughest team in the league, so that's no fun. But I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I think that Kyle will bow, bounce back a little bit in this game. As for the matchups, uh, center fielder Manuel Manuel Margot Margot. Good lord, I should really know these things. Uh, but yeah, he has seen Kyle the most with six at bats and he is hitting 167. So not great. Uh, Mejia, the Rays catcher is the only one that has a home run off of Kyle. He's seen him twice and hit a dong in one of those. So not much more to say because everything is just one hit here, one hit there, whatever. Uh, and then for the Rays, we have Rue McClanahan. Oh, my bad. I just made a 40-year-old reference that only two people understood, but whatever. It's Rue McClanahan's illegitimate love child's second son, I guess. Let's go with that. Yeah, it's Shane McClanahan. He is 8-0 and on the season. He has a 1.97 ERA and 75 strikeouts. So, uh, yeah, you take the good, you take the bad, and there you have the facts of this game. He is tough. Uh, Trey Mancini has seen him the most 18 hits, or 18 at-bats, 18 hits, I wish, 18 at-bats, he has uh, a 167 average. Uh, Seiya Suzuki has seen him two times, two at-bats, he is hitting 500, so that's one hit and two at-bats. Um, and Patrick Wisdom has one hit and two at-bats, and that one hit was a home run. Outside of that, anybody who has seen him has not hit against him, uh, but it's not too many. It's it's Gomes and Happ and Horner, uh, and that's it. Nobody else has seen him, so it's going to be interesting. He's going to be facing a lot of people he's never seen before, a lot of people who have never seen him. Um, I... Like I said, I think that Kyle is going to bounce back. I think he's going to have a better game. I don't think it's going to matter because uh, Shane McClanahan is looks tough, man. I mean, what are you going to do? It's Our offense is not great, and Shane McClanahan is having himself a season. So who knows? Of course, that being said, we didn't know that Stroh was going to pitch an absolute gem, complete game one hitter yesterday. So, you know, hey, maybe Hendricks does the same and the Cubs pull out a a series victory by winning the first two games 
behind amazing pitching performances from soft tossers that we did not see coming. That would be great. Anyway, that's enough for me. I am out at home. Spugog! All over Chicagoland, there are thirsty, frazzled, overworked Cubs podcasters who are struggling to survive one more baseball season in the dog-eat-dog world of unpaid content creation. But it doesn't have to be this way. You can make a difference. Become a super ranter at patreon.com sunranto, where your support ensures that poor, sad, pathetic, ugly, loser Cubs podcasters can pay for tickets and beer, and in turn, line the pockets of the baseball agarch Ricketts family. Just $1 a month can buy a scorecard. $5 a month can pay for guitar strings to write a Cubs song. And $10 a month almost buys one beer at Wrigley Field. Cubs content creators are the lowest pieces of pond scum garbage that slither over the face of this planet. But Super Ranters help them get drunk and screw off at baseball games. What do you get out of it? The Sun Ranto Show, delivered to your podcatcher without stupid advertisements like the one you're seeing and hearing right now. Plus, at other Super Ranter levels, you can get Cubs music, access to private Sun Ranto pages, the Ranter calendar, and special thanks and Ranter recognition in our live broadcasts, plus eligibility for monthly prizes. What does Sun Ranto get out of it? Your money. For tickets and beer. Go to patreon.com slash sunranto. That's patreon.com slash sunranto. And become a super ranter today. Hello and welcome to Cubs Pod, a Bleacher Bunch production on the Fans First Network. Your daily dose of digestible, digitable Cubs content. I'm your host, Danny Rocket, here to tell you what's happening right now in the world of the Chicago Cubs on the final day of May, May 31st, 2023. Well, the Cubs bats are just absolutely dead. They've only scored three runs over the last two games against the best team in baseball. So I guess it's to be expected how terribly things are going, except for the fact that the Cubs won both of the last two games, including yesterday's contest, 2-1. to one. In a couple of tight games, you had the near no-hitter for Marcus Stroman on Memorial Day, and then last night, I go to the game with Chuggos, Cody Del Mendo. He offers me, actually, uh, Corey Friedman's tickets were offered to him, and then I got to go. So anyway, we got a great view of what turned out to be a, a pitcher's duel. I mean, not really. It wasn't. The score looks like a pitcher's duel, but let's get into why I, I call it not a pitcher's duel. Um, Kyle Hendricks started this game, and there was quite a bit of traffic. Both both Low and Lau spent a fair amount of time on base. Uh, no, not really, because they, they the Rays only had uh, seven hits overall, and they really couldn't get anything going. So it might be more Rays ineptitude than it is Kyle Hendricks actually being back 
So even though he only gave up the one run, uh, he did get in a lot of trouble. There was a bit of traffic. Possibly the Rays got screwed on a run. It, right away in the first inning, Kyle got into trouble, gave up a single, a walk. There was like some weird flip by Nico. He dove for the ball and really couldn't get anything on it. And uh, he flipped it over to Dansby, but it didn't really make it more than a foot. And then they threw home, and uh, there was a challenge play on the out at home. And um, he was, I don't there was just not enough to overturn it, is really how this worked out. And this was, I believe, the second night in a row that that happened. That there, and then there was a, whatever the play with Morrell was where he was running to first and they didn't have enough to call him safe, even though he was likely safe. There wasn't a good angle of it. I thought to myself, is this Marquis's fault? Is this yet one other thing that Marquis is bad at, which is even like having the camera angles to show for the replay? <laughs> I don't know. Just something to think about, something to uh, keep an eye on, if you will. Anyway, he maybe should have been safe at home. He was not. And uh, the challenge overturned. Rays lose their challenge right away in the first inning. So uh, in the bottom of the first, the Cubs got on the board right away. Nico hit a solo shot just as I walked in the ballpark. You're welcome, everybody. It was obviously my presence that made that happen. Um, and then uh, Hap walked and Saya singled. And you're thinking, oh, we're going to get to this Rue McClanahan right away, and uh, we're going we're gonna to send him to an early shower. But no, because on that Saya single, Hap thought he was fast, and he uh, tried to run to third base, and he was out by a mile. Uh, he got thrown out. And then um, in the second, Kyle, once again, traffic, walking a single, uh, but he got a double play. In the third, traffic again. A single and a stolen base to lead it off, but uh, got out of it yet once again uh, with this like deflecting shot that off of Kyle's glove that went to Horner, and then they threw over to first and got the out there. So it was kind of like a no harm, no foul thing. But they, you know, they were hitting the ball against him. It, Cubs got a little lucky, I will say. It felt that way anyway. Um, uh, in the fourth inning, Suzuki made a nice diving uh, play on a Harold Ramirez shot. If you remember Harold Ramirez, he had a cup of coffee with the Cubs, and the Cubs decided they didn't need him. But uh, Harold Ramirez, not not too shabby of a player. Um, like Maybe we didn't need him, but uh, he hit the ball hard all night long. In the and uh, Suzuki, thankfully, he uh, he was out there in right field, made a nice little diving catch. So there there were opportunities for the Rays and luckily for the Cubs uh, we were able to get out of it in the bottom of the fourth a uh, couple of singles from uh, from the Cubs but uh, couldn't cash it in wisdom and Gomes failed more traffic for Kyle in the fifth when he gave up a single a walk and then another single by a Rosarena and this is when the run scored uh, Hap fielded the ball in left field from a Rosarena, who's hit pretty hard. Kyle Schwarber playing left field absolutely, uh, abs well, absolutely throws uh, him out trying to run home, but not in this play because Hap has a noodle arm. 
It, it really that ball it just took like 17 bounces to get to the plate. There was just no way uh you were going to throw him out at the at the plate and you know, it's just like we I'm sitting there talking with uh with Cody last night about it and like we all we both like Hap. I mean, we're not going to be we're not going to there's a lot more things to complain about than Ian Hap. But the fact that left field that just kind of locked down at, down there in the corner with Noodle Arm McGee and like a bat that disappears, you know, three times a year. It's just, I don't know. It's okay. It's he's solid switch hitter, I guess. And um, anyway, that was Randy Arosarena's 40th RBI of the year already, if you can believe that, after only two months of play. Um, and uh, yeah, Francisco Mejia is the one that scored the Rays' only run so far. This series. Let's hope that continues. Julian Merriweather. I, first of all, let me just preface all this, what I'm going to say about the Cubs bullpen in that uh, it worked. F- uh, everything that Ross has tried to do has not worked. It's all been a massive failure, and this time it actually worked. He brings in Julian Merriweather, um, who, by the way, has had a really good May. He's only given up two runs in 10 innings pitched. Now, don't look at the April uh, don't look at the first game of April, especially because that's that's when everybody started to hate him. He gave up on April second versus Milwaukee, uh, five runs in point two innings pitch. So that's why everybody's got a really bad taste in their mouth. He he gave up two runs on April twelfth. That was his other high. But other than that, he's pretty much been lights out, and nobody even notices. And uh, like against Minnesota, he gave up a run against. Uh, Cincinnati, but he started, you know, after that first terrible outing, he started with a 67 ERA on opening day, and he has whittled that down now to 457, which is, it's not great, but a lot of it's baked into that first game. Uh, he's got a couple two inning scoreless appearances that nobody's noticing. Um, so maybe he's entering the circle of trust. I, I don't know. Oh, I accidentally pressed play on my little cut my little baseball app here. Watching highlights. Um where were we in this game? Oh yeah, Merriweather doing awesome. Uh he did give up a uh, single. That's it. In this in this game. Did the one inning. Uh in the sixth, Hap doubled, kind of. Uh the race second baseman lost it in the in the lights. So and that's another thing that's been happening a lot. And the Cubs got new lights. So I'm looking at this and I'm and poor Lau or Low or whatever the hell his name is, um, couldn't see the ball. And it was like he's turning away. And I think you look up, I mean the lights are quite bright. They're way brighter than they used to be. And I just don't remember so many balls getting lost in the lights. Hayward would lose them sometimes, especially when the sun was setting, like before they would like as Pat Hughes would say, the fully taken effect for the lights had fully taken effect. Um, you know, that I could see that being a problem, but it was dark by the time that this play happened. And I don't know, something to look at, like, or we might hear teams start to complain about it. If this keeps happening, um, in the sixth, well, after Hap doubled, uh, Talkman, man, he's guy's been clutch. Like, what can you say? Like, you know, Bellinger has been on the IL and it's not Talkman's fault that we're that we were losing 
I'll tell you that much because he's doing great. Um, he singled in Hap uh, with two outs. And th- this was just like a little two-out looper. And this is after Suzuki struck out. And Mancini, who's just been absolutely dog crap, um, he grounded out. And so after leadoff double and you're just about to waste it in a tie game and you're just sitting there being like, oh, man, they're just going to blow this. There's no way they score. This runs. It's a guy like Togman that's been coming through. So thank you, the pride of Palatine, Mike Togman. Then Leiter Jr. came in from the bullpen and got three ground outs, didn't give up anything. And Adbert freaking Alzali came in, struck out two in the eighth and two in the ninth against the best Offense in baseball, by OPS anyway, which is a pretty important offensive stat, he did great. And uh, it's possible that, I mean, I don't want to speak too soon. Everybody's like, yeah, I was like, I'd be the closer. I mean, so far, it has been hit and miss with everybody you've tried back at the end of that. I say, I say, name it. I say, name Alzali the closer. Give that kid, I think it matters. Because you're going to give that kid the confidence and he's going to be like, I'm the closer. He's going to start strutting around. Now, it could fail and you'd be like, okay, now you're not the closer because you suck at it, you know, and that's fine. But do something, like name it, you know. I, I don't know what you freaking promised to freaking Michael Fulmer, but unpromise it because he's not the guy. You can't have him back there ever. It's done. It's over. We tried it. It's finished. No more seeing it. Um, sixth inning, blowout games. You made a mistake. You know, I'm not saying he's going to suck forever, but he's not good enough. Um, maybe he could close when Alzali has closed three games in a row. Because the Cubs are going to win three. Yeah, somehow in some alternate universe. Uh, today, it could happen, though. In the eighth inning, I was really looking for an insurance run. The Cubs loaded the bases twice and could not score. One time with no out, uh, you had a... Hap and Swanson single, then say a Suzuki walked and Trey Mancini, man, oh man, like we want to like you, we really do, but it's it's not going to happen if you keep doing this. He grounded into a double play. Then Talkman, Mike Talkman, once again, trying his hardest, pride of Palatine, walked, bases loaded again, bases loaded again, and then Patrick Wisdom flew out. And uh, that was the end of the threat. Still two to one. We're all biting our nails. But as I said, Alzali struck out two more in the ninth, got Manny Margot to ground out. And that was the end of it. Cubs freaking win. We sing the song. We raise the flag. Everybody gets blinded by the new lights. Overall, Hendo had 75 pitches, gave up the one run, six hits, three walks, three strikeouts. And the bullpen, only one hit, zero walks, Four strikeouts, and all those strikeouts were Edbert Alzali. Hap, Suzuki, and Tachman each had two hits. Morel, Gomes, and Mancini each had two strikeouts, and the Cubs were one for seven in scoring position. So, you know, when they go on the road and they continue to not score runs, you'll be like, oh, yeah, they won those games, but they really they didn't score any runs. Um, they've scored three runs. Luckily... For us, the uh, Rays have only scored one. Today, oh, oh, I want to bring up one more thing, is that I said that the Cubs failed twice with the bases loaded. The Cubs are fourth worst in the major leagues with the bases loaded when it comes to uh, 
well, I'll say OPS, 467 OPS. Uh, do you know who else is terrible? The Padres. That's why their expensive-ass team is not winning. Uh, the Cubs are fifth worst when it comes to batting average, only batting 174, uh, OBP of 163 with the bases loaded, and a 304 slug. So it has just been total crap. Um, yeah, they've. I don't know what it is. It, it, they're... They're pooping themselves with the bases loaded. And, and, you know, this is like other teams actually, and they're these are good teams, do great with the bases loaded. For example, the Tampa Bay Rays batting 381 with the bases loaded. Like, there haven't been a lot of opportunities. There's been 42 at-bats total. Cubs have had 46. So it's, it is comparable. It's double. They've come through double the time. 381 batting average. You know who leads that league? The Seattle Mariners or leads that category, Seattle Mariners. They're all good teams that lead the category. Mariners, Rangers, Rays, Yankees, Phillies, Astros. So White Sox are actually good with the bases loaded. Oh, well. Um, So it doesn't always matter, but I'm just saying. Cubs aren't the greatest. Runners in scoring position, I looked that up too. It's it's average. I know it doesn't feel average, but we are average when it comes to it. Today... We got a day game at 1.20 at Wrigley Field, as God intended. And we're going up against Zach Eflin, and the Cubs are throwing Justin Steele out there. Zach Eflin was with the Phillies for many a year, and he's had a pretty decent year so far. He's got a 3.17 ERA. Um, He hasn't really gotten blown out in any games at all. Uh, Last time he went out there was against Toronto, and he gave up only one run on six hits, two walks, no strikeouts, though, uh, against that team, and they won the game 7-1. to He went seven innings his last two starts, and he's gone seven innings three times in May so far, including a 10-strikeout appearance versus... uh, Pittsburgh he's got a nine strikeout against the Yankees eight strikeouts against Milwaukee so dude's good you know what can I say it's uh we got our work cut out for us yet once again but the Cubs have been up to the challenge thus far as far as the Cubs who have seen him uh, it's gone pretty well uh Dansby Swanson has seen him the most and he is batting 407 uh, with two home runs and six doubles in 27 at-bats. It's gone great. So look for Dansby. Pick him. I would say pick Dansby Swanson to absolutely rake against Zach Eflin. Has happened in his career so far. Let's hope this isn't a regression to the mean. Cody Bellinger also does quite well, but he ain't going to be there. Jan Gomes does quite well. So look for Tucker Barnhart to be the starting catcher, even though Gomes is 4 for 10 with a double and a dong. Uh, also Edwin Rios has a home run, so (laughs) look for him to be in there. Unfortunately, I don't know. He's got to play sometime, I guess, if he's going to be on the team and, uh, not much else to see just, you know, no more than five at bats or actually Tucker Barnhart does have a hit. So, and two walks, so nine 30, that's good for a nine 33 OPS in five plate appearances, but, uh, we'll take it. Um, yeah, not, not much else to see. Not much else to see. Justin Steele is going out there coming off his worst start of the year. Starting which, actually, it's not been a great mate. Two of the last three starts have resulted in him giving up five runs. The last time he did it on ten hits, uh, actually it was six runs, five were earned. But um, 
yeah, 10 hits through 3.2 innings against Cincinnati. He also got blown up against Houston pretty much. And still got that 277 earned run average. I mean, he's definitely been an effective pitcher so far. But uh, it's kind of going, seems like it's going the wrong direction, um, even though he had a pretty decent start against Philadelphia in a two to one loss. So, as far as the Rays who have seen him, nobody has more than two at bats, but uh, Wander Franco has a home run in one of his at bats. And uh, also, Low or Lau, Brandon, the Brandon variety, has a hit, and so does Yandy Diaz, because of course he does. Yandy Diaz has lots of hits. So, um, yeah, that, not, not much to see there. No more into it bats from anybody. So uh, hopefully they don't come in with the same game plan as the Reds and uh, screw up our lives. Uh, the weather's absolutely gorgeous today. If you want to go to the baseball game today, I have two tickets for you. So I put something on the Ranter Discord saying that if you would like to go to the game, I have two tickets. So hit me up. I've asked a few people, first come, first serve. Whoever says they want the tickets gets the tickets. That's it. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful day. Uh, Let's get the sweep today. You know, I probably hear some hesitation in my voice, but that's okay. Uh, We are Cubs fans. Spagog, everybody, and enjoy the beautiful weather and the start of summer. Hey Cubs fans, at Amazon.com do you buy lots of stuff? Why not support the Sunranto Show by shopping through Sunranto.com slash stuff? All you gotta do is fill your cart at Amazon with lots of stuff. Then before you check out with all of that wonderful stuff, head on over to Sunranto.com slash and click any of our Amazon links before you buy your Check out like you normally would with all that beautiful And the Sunranto show will get a small kickback because of the you bought and you'll be helping in the Sunranto show buy all the We need to stay on the air talking about the Cubs and other Plus you could win a monthly prize if some of your is chosen for Amazon of the month. And if you win, we'll send you more. Sunranto.com slash that address again is sunranto.com slash It is June 1st, 2023, and this is Cubs Pod, your daily dose of Cubs content from the Bleacher Bunch Productions for the Fans First Network. The Cubs were going for a sweep of the best team in baseball yesterday after having been swept by, I mean, let's say not the best team in baseball, and Justin Steele was on the mound to try and get them there. 
Steele was coming off a bit of a roller coaster in which Houston beat him up in his first tough start of the season. He bounced back a bit against the Phillies in which he pitched well, but then the Cubs lost. Uh, and then in the last series with Cincinnati, they beat him like they knew what he was throwing. And people, I kind of feel like maybe they knew what he was throwing. I mean, it's really only two pitches, so it's not super hard to guess, but they got him. Hopefully nobody else has figured that out. One team that apparently did not get the memo from the Reds on how to hit against Justin Steele were the Rays. Uh, now, the Rays have been great against lefties, but Justin Steele was just too much for them yesterday, at least for three innings. He faced the minimum nine batters. He struck out one, and only a couple of balls were hit with any authority. Unfortunately for everyone involved, David Ross saw something in the third inning after Patrick Wisdom handled a hard hit at third. Ross went out to check on Steele. They had a bit of a meeting. They talked about everything. And then they decided to wait a little longer. I mean, hey, that's what the Cubs do. Injury? Well, I don't know. Maybe let's just go day to day. Maybe let's go pitch to pitch. Maybe let's just put off any decision on an injury until later. Because that's what you're supposed to do if you really think somebody's hurt. And it seemed to me like maybe Steele wasn't hurt. He got the next two batters. But then he didn't return in the fourth inning due to forearm tightness. And one of the best stories of this season might be a little bit shorter than we had hoped. Nobody really knows what forearm tightness is. It could have been that he just came in and they wanted to you know, give him a break because whatever they saw. And so they just said forearm tightness. Maybe it really is forearm tightness. And maybe it's just some cramping. It was warm yesterday. But that could also mean that there's something going on in the elbow and forearm tightness is sort of the first symptom of things like that. Outside of all that, Justin Steele looked pretty good. And I was happy to see that. Let's hope that this forearm tightness stuff is not a big deal and he's able to get back. But you know what? Hey, maybe give him a start. Just... Don't have him come back out there for one extra start. You know, give him six days, seven days, you know, whatever. You have a few guys in the pen that could handle a start. So maybe give him a day off and bring him back when he's ready. I don't know. One of the guys who's stretched out and could possibly pick up a start like that is Hayden Wisniewski. And he got the call from the pen. Uh, the Wes struggled as a starter for the early part of the season in Chicago. Um, then he went down to Des Moines, where he ended up pitching in two games. One game was five innings of no-hit ball, but he had four walks to go with the five strikeouts. And the other game was four innings in which he gave up a dong and three runs on two hits and two walks with four strikeouts in only four innings. Now, I'm not exactly sure what he proved with those two games, except that for sometimes he's really good and other times he's not. You know, the exact same thing he proved everywhere else, like when we were watching him this season. But whatever he did, it was enough to recall him to the bullpen, at least. Anyway, back to this game. The Wes was actually really good for 3.2 innings. You know, not perfect by any means, but he was facing the best team in the league 
and keeping them from scoring, despite a Dansby Swanson error that made him face an extra hitter in the fifth inning. No, the box score will not count that as an error. But I'm not sure how a guy catches a ball in his glove, drops it, and then misses getting the out because he dropped it, and the play is not an error. I no idea how that works. But look, Dansby got a gift with that ruling. But the good news is that it didn't really hurt Wisniewski. He was able to keep going and not let that mess with his head too much. Outside of that, he was pitching really well. He went the fourth, fifth, and sixth innings without really giving up a hit. But then in the seventh inning, I have no idea what happened, but David Ross made a stupid decision. So, like, Wisniewski got a strikeout and then a weak ground out in the first two batters he faced. But then he walked Margot on a ball that really could have been called a strike you know, just a little bit below the zone, maybe in the zone. I don't know, but it's like, it could have been called a strike. It was called a ball. That's what happens sometimes. Not a big deal. Except whatever David Ross saw in that, he immediately pulled him. I have no idea what was going through Grandpa Lossie's mind at that moment. Wisniewski had only thrown 59 pitches, so he wasn't like tired. And he only needed one more out to get out of the inning. But Rossi had to get cute and bring in Outlider Jr. just to get that final out of the inning. I mean, I hate when managers do this stupid stuff. I get it if the pitcher is starting to lose it or he has already lost it and you just need to get one out to get out of the inning. But Wisniewski was fine. Like he was seriously, there was nothing going on. No need to pull him in that spot other than to show fans that you have no idea what you're doing as the manager of the Chicago Cubs. So Lossie decides to pull a pitcher who's rolling along just fine to bring in a new guy. I mean, that could work out. It could be fine, but we don't know. That's the problem with bringing in the new guy. You know what you've got on the guy on the mound. And if you are watching the game and paying attention, which Marquis was not doing, so maybe that's what the problem was. Maybe Ross was watching Marquis during that inning and because they weren't talking about anything, he didn't understand that Wisniewski was actually throwing pretty well. Whatever he was thinking, I have no idea, but he decided to bring in Lighter. Now, Al Lighter Jr. is good. I'm I'm not going to deny that. He's he's been pretty good this year. I I'm not, you know, sometimes he messes up, but I'm not going to complain too much about him. And of the guys you're going to pull out of the pen, maybe he's the best guy to do that. The problem is he shouldn't have been coming in in that moment. He's got a guy on first and he needs an out. And so it's like it's a dirty inning. He's just showing up and he's facing the best team in baseball. Well, guess what the best team in baseball does to you when you, you know, maybe aren't perfect. They hit home runs. The Rays hit a ton of home runs. That's what this team does. And they did it to Alider Jr. Lau crushed one out to center field, and that was a two-run dong. The game was tied. Lider did get the next guy. They get out of the inning. It's a tie game, but man, what a what a freaking mess. Now, the Cubs did immediately come back and they took a one-run lead. But Ross left Lider in the game. For the eighth, which I don't know what he saw in the the two guys that he 
faced, but apparently it was good enough to bring him back out, even though one of those guys hit a two-run dong. I, but, hey, Wisniewski, even though he threw a good pitch that could have been called a strike or a ball, he gets pulled immediately, but Al Leiter just hits, you know, gives up a dong, and he gets to come right back in and keep playing. Well, guess what? That didn't go well. Leiter gave up a walk to start the inning, and then a home run. The Cubs were immediately down by one run, and that would be the final score of the game, and it's all off of Leiter. Again, the box score is going to say only three of them were from Leiter, and one was from Wisniewski, but I'm going to say no. I think that Wisniewski stays in there. He gets out of the inning, doesn't give up a run, and then the game is different. The Cubs might even win. But hey, that's how baseball scoring goes, right? Sometimes Dansby Swanson doesn't get an error, and sometimes Hayden Wisniewski gets an, a run put up against him that was really outlier's fault. I don't make the rules. I just watch what's going on, and I mean, we know how that works. So Leiter gives up two home runs, and that's really the story of the game. Now, you can make the argument that the Cubs' offense failed to bring in guys at the end of this game to tie or possibly take the lead in the eighth and ninth inning when they failed to bring guys in from second and third in both of those innings. But truly, the game was lost on the fancy tea party that Ross threw for the last out of the seventh inning. You know, as for the offense, hey, Early on, they were good. Uh, they got to Zach Eflin early with two runs in the first. Nico Horner led off this game with a walk, and then he immediately stole second base. Then Hap drove him in with a single. And then Hap stole second base as well, and Mike Talkman drove him in with a single. Right away, boom, you're up 2 nothing. And then with the pitching the Cubs got for the first 6.2 innings, it looked like they were going to pull off this sweep which would have been crazy, but, you know, crazy is as crazy does, I guess, David Ross. And then even after David Ross's pitch GPT AI told him to do some dumb stuff, the Cubs manufactured another run in the seventh with a double from Seiya, followed by a really nice sacrifice bunt from Talkman to get Suzuki to third, and then Trey Mancini came through with a nice single that he inexplicably tried to turn into a double. And look, I might be willing to give Mancini the benefit of the doubt here, just saying, you know, hey, he was trying to be aggressive. But apparently Mancini has no clue how to slide. So he should never, ever be trying to stretch a single to a double until he gets a few more reps in Little League where you are supposed to learn how to freaking slide. How does he not know? It was the ugliest, stupidest, like, People were literally asking, did he trip? Did he just fall down? My goodness. I have coached a lot of Little League, and that's the kind of thing you see from like six-year-olds. It was the dumbest slide I've seen literally all season from anybody, but that's only because I don't coach Little League anymore. If I coached Little League, I'd see that crap all the time. What is he doing? He should never, until he learns how to slide, he should never be doing that. Just don't. Just don't ever come in close at all. Run through the bag at second base if you have to. End up in left field, but don't 
ever slide again, Mancini, until somebody teaches you how to do it. Whatever. The Cubs went up by one. But as I said before, it doesn't matter because Ross makes bad decisions. <sighs> okay, moving on. The Cubs will have another off day today in which they can't make up a game with the Reds because baseball scheduling is dumb. Tomorrow, they will be playing in San Diego. Uh, we will have the joy of cheering on Jamison Tyone as he continues his plea for help that he calls pitching versus our old pal Michael Waka. Cubs have, have historically hit Waka around the park. But of course, you can't just blindly follow numbers because they may not actually mean anything. That being said, Ian Happ has three homers and is hitting 308 versus Waka. Swanson and Mancini both have homers off him as well, but neither of them hit him particularly well, with Mancini only having the one hit, which was the homer, and Swanson hitting 214 against him, which is, I think, three hits. I don't know. It's not much. As for Tyone, nobody on the Padres hits him particularly well, except for Matt Carpenter, who has a 292 average in 24 at-bats. Oh, yeah. Did you remember that Matt Carpenter still plays baseball in the major leagues? Yep. He is the DH for the San Diego Padres, and we may see him. I don't know. He might be injured. Who knows what's going on with the guy? He's like, he's almost as old as me, I think, but... I don't know. Still getting it done down there in San Diego, I guess. So we might see him. Gary Sanchez also has a home run off of Tyone as well, but that was only one hit in four at-bats. So really not much to go on there. Um, if you are a Patreon supporter of the Sunranto Show, you can join us in the Discord every day as we discuss the Cubs and baseball and just make jokes and funny memes and share music and do all sorts of good fun stuff. If you haven't been in there and you are hearing this podcast, like you really should get in there. If that means that you haven't joined Patreon and you're hearing this late, join Patreon. You'll hear this each day. You'll be able to go in there and I'm telling you right now, it's the only place you can actually talk Cubs on the internet with sensible, smart people who swear a lot. I also want to tell everyone that if you can convince five new people to join up on Patreon, I will purchase you an In The Clutch t-shirt or a Sunranto shirt as a thank you gift or something else of similar value if you don't want either one of those things. Anyway, there are more details on the Discord in the new Patreons in the new Patreon supporters channel. Go there, check that out. Uh, we need more people to listen. We would love to have more people to pay to listen. And if you can get people to come in, we are going to reward you for that. You know, why, why give, you know, all these places and different things, they, they let new people get stuff when they get in. I want to support the people who've been there with us for a while. But, of course, I'm also forcing you to sell uh, Patreon support of this show to your friends, which is, you know, kind of like multi-level marketing, which is super lame. But, hey, uh, we all love Amway, baby. Sell some Amway. Call it Sunranto and get people in there. I'll get you a t-shirt. But, hey, that's all I've got to say about that. Um I will see you all in Ranchers Ranting, and I am out at home. Hug on!
the Cubs a bunch Buy your t-shirts from In The Clutch We've got all the best styles for you Dansby, Sayer, Morel too Clark Fly in his W Cody Bellinger smoking dudes Vintage shirts from days of old Patrick Wisdom and Nico You'll look sharp wearing your stroll 10% off with the code S-O-N-R-A-N-T-O S-O-N-R-A-N-T-O InTheClutch.com is your store for the most fun baseball shirts on the planet Don't forget to use promo code SUNRANTO To knock a couple bucks off your purchase Stack or die, we need more cups Get it all at In The Clutch Cause if you like the Cubs a bunch Buy t-shirts from In The Clutch Get it all at In The Clutch Get it all at In The Clutch